0: Well, so I, I was at the hospital about a week ago, and, and I got a lesson in fear. First was the reminder of the current wor- I just got a lesson in cute, too. Look at that. <laughs> First, I had the reminder of the current worker shortage, you know, in our medical world, because the front doors to the hospital were closed on a day they're not normally closed because they only had enough staff. To staff the emergency room entrance, which was more important. And the thought of not enough healthcare workers is reason enough for fear. And emergency rooms, I think they probably rank as one of the highest like per capita levels of fear you'll find around. And then I so I literally went in the back door of the hospital, which meant I was immediately disoriented. And I'm looking for the elevators, like for a familiar landmark even, just to remind me, okay, this is where the elevators are, because I always come at it from the other side. And the halls that day were eerily empty. And empty halls in a hospital is is fearful in and of itself. I don't know, I've seen too many movies. (laughs) And I didn't see another soul in that hospital walk in those hallways until I passed a young... I'm getting older. Liz always reminds me, like, people I think are young are not that young... (laughs) Um, but she had to be a resident, she was younger, and I smiled, and she smiled back, but it was this smile that carried with it a fear that that as a man, I I don't know this fear, this unease and awareness that comes as being a young female alone in a dark hallway with a man. And and I wanted to shout, like, no, 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 I'm I'm one of the good ones, but I didn't think that would go over well. (laughs) I'm really good at making things worse, so I just kept my mouth shut and I kept walking and that's when I realized oh no I just passed the elevator because I saw Saint Francis on my left which meant the elevator was behind me and then on the right there's these artworks in the hospital and I'm not completely clueless like I knew if I passed this doctor and then immediately turned around and started walking back that that would not help the situation (laughs) at all so I paused and pretended like I knew what I was looking at taking in the artwork and counted some Mississippis until I figured, all right, she's probably turned a corner now, and I turned around thinking she was gone, only when I turned the corner to the elevator, there she was, waiting, and so then we're in the elevator together, and I kid you not, we're on opposite corners, right, and I'm like, don't look up, just look straight, like, and the unease was, was palpable, I'm trying to look harmless in the elevator, but I kid you not, the elevator did not move. Buttons were lit up, like we had pushed the button, she had pushed the buttons for us. Nothing was happening, and I could hear like the sigh of fear, like, oh, like coming from her, and finally her voice shaking. She says, it's not working, and I'm busy trying not to look scary, so I just didn't say anything. I'm just like which is worse in and of itself. So she finally, she puts the door open button. She's like, I'm just gonna go and left. And I'm like, well, I can't follow her out. So I let the door shut and I'm just standing in the elevator counting my Mississippis again, waiting till I can leave when the door opens. And there's a very startled man because he just knew the elevator was on that floor and he opens the door and I'm just standing in there. like, Hello, nice to see you. (sighs) So I nodded, the man nod, and he looked at me funny and pushed the button and up we went. It went (laughs) right away and I get off the elevator and I go and see a family who had a number of reasons, legitimate reasons to be afraid. Their loved one was facing an uncertain future. They're awaiting uncertain medical diagnoses and they're trying to have you ever had where you're afraid you're going to make the wrong decision you could feel it in the room and so we talked and we prayed and i left the hospital realizing that there is a lot of fear in the world a lot of very good valid reasons to be afraid and on that day at any rate i was pretty blessed in that i didn't have that much fear in my life on that day my biggest fear was just don't be an idiot mike which is justified. (laughs) And ignoring the whole doctor elevator fiasco, I was blessed by God that day to walk alongside someone else in their fear. And that's what we're going to talk about today. It's fear. We're going to talk about the one who walks alongside us in our fear. This is the second week of Advent. And I know I said last week that we're going to spend this whole year in the Gospel of Matthew. already lied we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna make a slight detour today because we ended with Mary and we need to tell Mary's story and to do that we're gonna hop over into the gospel of Luke so today we're in Luke chapter 1 verses 26 through 38 and as I read I want you to pay attention and to all the good valid reasons that this teenage girl from Nazareth had to be afraid. This is Luke chapter 1. When Elizabeth was six months pregnant, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a city in Galilee, to a virgin who was engaged to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David's house. The virgin's name was Mary, and when the angel came to her, he said, Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. And she was confused by these words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. The angel said, don't be afraid, Mary, God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus and he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father. He will rule over Jacob's house forever and there will be no end to his kingdom. And then Mary said to the angel, How will this happen since I haven't known a man? And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come over you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the one who is to be born will be holy. He will be called God's son. Look, even in her old age, your relative Elizabeth Elizabeth has conceived a son. This woman who was labeled unable to conceive is now six months pregnant. Nothing is impossible for God. And then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. And then the angel left her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord God, we invite your presence into this room today. That you might greet us with a word, a word of favor, a word of love, a word of peace. God, come to us in our fears. Help us to know that we are not alone. And that we are with you, your Son, and your Holy Spirit. Amen. So did anyone hear some reasons that Mary might be afraid in our scripture today? We're going to talk about what happened as we ask ourselves, what did Jesus do? What happened? And I want you to just go ahead and raise a hand as I'm talking. Like, just raise a hand and stop me if you hear a reason that Mary might be afraid. So Luke starts us off by reminding us what just happened. That the angel Gabriel had visited Mary's relative Zechariah to tell him that his wife Elizabeth was about to be pregnant. And now, six months later, God sends Gabriel to Nazareth, to Mary's house in Nazareth, where she lives in Nazareth. Thank you, somebody. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> Nazareth, <laughs> right? No, no, right, because no one thinks, what's well, Nazareth, what's scary about Nazareth? I mean, Nathaniel, though, did say nothing good <laughs> can come from Nazareth. Nazareth was such a small town. Anyone here grew up in a small town? I did, if you lived in Grain Valley before like the year 2000. <laughs> it was a small town. Small towns can be friendly, but they can also be kind of scary sometimes. Right, especially small town schools sometimes can be really clicky. And then, yeah. And we know Nazareth was small. For, for one, Matthew has to tell his readers what Nazareth is. He's like, Nazareth, you know a town? In Galilee. (laughs) Also, there's no written record of Nazareth from this time outside of the New Testament. Like, nobody was talking about it. It wasn't that important. In fact, all we know about Nazareth from archaeological research is that it was a small hamlet of about four acres of land. That's it. Maybe 50 houses. And the other thing we know, though, is that there's only one house that archaeologists have found there. And it had a secret hideout, a camouflaged entrance to a grotto that's similar to others at this time from other towns around, like there's one in Cana that they found, where Jewish residents, they believe, could hide from the Roman soldiers. There's a tension between Romans and Jews that was very palpable at that time, very real. It's literally written into the architecture of their homes. And so we know that simply by being a young Jew in Roman-occupied Nazareth, that that was reason enough to live with this dull throb of fear in your life. So there's Mary, a young virgin betrothed to Joseph from the house of David. She's alone in her house when Gabriel, an angel of the Lord, appears, thank you, you're getting it, appears before her. Yeah, right? That's reason to be afraid. Like she's a young girl, likely a teenager, maybe at most 15 years old, and a man shows up unexpectedly and rather miraculously in your home. That's way worse than an elevator opening and finding a weirdo just standing there, right? And now we don't know for sure what Gabriel looked like. Sometimes in scripture, angels are are described as having the appearance of a man But actually, the only time that Gabriel is described in detail happens in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And this is what we get. Daniel says, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice... Like the sound of a multitude that's kind of frightening, <laughs> yeah, right, like and when Zechariah saw Gabriel, we know he was terrified he was a, but and he 's a priest at a temple, right and and Gabriel was standing next to the altar, like I mean if, if you 're ever going to see an angel at the temple of the Lord next to the altar. If if there's a place where you would expect to see an angel, that would be it. And yet, Zechariah was fearful. So just think, in your living room, alone in a backwater town like Nazareth, I'm jumping in my hideout grotto right about then. Roman soldiers and lightning-faced angels, two very good reasons to build a hideout grotto in your house. And when Gabriel appears, he speaks. Rejoice, favored one, the Lord is with you. Which I'll admit, for just like the briefest of moments, because I'd been preparing for this sermon, the words did come to mind when I was standing in the elevator with the doctor trying to find some way to ease the tension. You know, something helpful. Rejoice, the Lord is with you! I had my name tag and a Bible, like but I kept my mouth shut (laughs) because I figured if it didn't work for Gabriel and his smoldering torch eyes, it wasn't going to work for me (laughs) and my name badge. (laughs) And it didn't work for Gabriel, by the way. It only confused Mary, which to be honest, confused is kind of an underwhelming translation because the Greek word is de tarasso, or um it, which de is just a way to emphasize this word terrasso, which means to disturb to agitate to stir up like when the disciples saw jesus walking on water at night and they thought he was a ghost they were terrasoed right they were terrified rejoice favored one the lord is with you and mary was afraid agitated which naturally leads Gabriel to like start over, right? He's like, wait, 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 let me try this again by sharing the most common phrase in all of scripture. Who knows it? Fear not. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. There is an angel of the Lord with flaming eyes, a lightning face, and a voice that sounds like a multitude standing in your living room, and he's telling you not to be afraid. you think that's going to work? <laughs> no. I know that's what that's in Daniel for sure and it wasn't nightmare he was dreaming and he saw the angel right I like those angels that's the beautiful angels over here Ian do not be afraid it's the same thing that the angel Gabriel said to Zechariah it's the same thing he said to Daniel it's the same thing Jesus says to us again And again, like Jesus said it to the disciples after they were terrified at him walking on water, he said to the disciples, do not be afraid. He said it again when he told us he was leaving, but that he would not leave us alone. In the Gospel of John, do not let your hearts be troubled, terassoed, again that word. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be terassoed, and do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, Mary. He says, God is honoring you. Look, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of David, his father, and he will rule over Jacob's house forever. There will be no end to his kingdom which is pretty awesome, right? Like, pretty amazing. I mean, definitely a reason to rejoice, if you ask me. An angel just told you that you're going to give birth to the Messiah, the salvation of Israel, the one who's going to ascend back to David's throne, which if you're living in an occupied territory in which you have to have a hideout grotto to hide from the people who are in charge, telling you that, no, no, your son is coming and is going to be the rightful king and rule with peace and equity, like... That's a pretty cool thing to have happen, and yet we know that Mary's mind does not go there. For a very young, unwed Jewish girl who is betrothed, there is a very real, very right now fear in Mary's mind. How will this happen since I haven't known a man? Do you know what this is going to do to my reputation? (laughs) If I get pregnant without going through the proper channels... (laughs) Joseph will undoubtedly leave me, and not without reason. My parents will disown me. My community might stone me. It's in the book. I will have no means of supporting myself, must less my child. And do you know what happens to the children from poor communities with absent fathers? How many of them end up incarcerated, or worse, on death row? I don't think you want that for the Messiah, and I don't think I want that For me, how can this be? Do not be afraid. God is honoring me. Really? Peace, I'm leaving you? No, peace, I'm leaving you. I'm headed to the grotto right about now. But Gabriel persists. He tells her that the Holy Spirit will come upon her, that she will give birth to God's son, that God will be with her, that even a relative Elizabeth in her old age who thought she was barren, even her is pregnant. She is pregnant with a son. And then Gabriel says these amazing words, nothing is impossible for God. Right? Amen. Nothing is impossible for God. And it's at that moment with those words that Mary's fear, if not altogether gone, is manageable. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me, just as you have said. Here I am. Let it be. I can do this. The fear is manageable. When I was telling my family the other day about my elevator debacle over dinner, Lily said, Why why would she be afraid of you? (laughs) (laughs) And then she said, Well, isn't that kind of sexist to be afraid of you just because you're a man? At which point we had to explain, unfortunately, why it isn't sexist for her to be afraid, but it's very rational and in, in a world according to statistics one in 3 people have women have a reason to be afraid that the doctor was justified in her fear that the people in the emergency room were justified in their fears that the family i visited upstairs in that room were justified in their fears as they faced an uncertain future that mary the mother of jesus was justified in her fear Because you see, we all live with different fears at different points in our lives. The last few years have brought even more reasons for us to fear. In fact, now the most searched phrase in the Bible is do not fear, according to the Bible app. The thing that people are searching for the most in Scripture is for God to tell them again do not fear. And yet here we are, we're, we're, we're doing the best we can, we're managing our fears, sometimes better than others, like Mary, because we have this promise that nothing is impossible for God. Whatever the fear, whatever the worry, whatever the doubt, remember that God is with you always, even to the end of the age, and that nothing Is impossible for God. It's that truth that carried Mary through nine months of carrying the Messiah. And it can carry you. So, what did Jesus do? That's our question. Not just for Advent, for the next year, we're asking ourselves simply, what did Jesus do in this scripture? Well, he came to earth in the most impossible of ways to remind us that what? Nothing is impossible for God. He healed the sick, he fed the hungry, he set the captives free, he raised the dead to show us what? That nothing is impossible for God. And so even on our darkest days when it feels like our worst fears are coming true, when the young unwed mother from a poor community watches as her son is arrested and given the death penalty. Christ rose on the third day to prove that what? Nothing is impossible for God. See, that's what Jesus did for all of us. Died and rose again for all of us, and he was born in the most unlikely of places, so that we can know that peace can sometimes be born in the most unlikely of places. Which brings up the flip side of our question this year, which is what will I do? What will you do? And I pray that you carry this knowledge with you, that God is with you. In Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. And through the Holy Spirit, Christ's peace that he left with us is with you so that we will not be troubled. That we will not be tarassoed. That we will not be afraid. Hold on to that. Because there will be times when you're afraid, justifiably afraid. Many of us in the room today are facing fears that threaten to break us apart, that threaten to break our lives apart, our families apart. And like Mary, even an angel standing in front of us with smoldering eyes and like California bronze skin isn't enough to fully dispel our fears But maybe for us, like Mary, that promise, that reminder, that truth that nothing is impossible for God, may it be enough to help you manage your fear, to say, let it be, and to find some measure of peace in the troubles. Hold on to what Jesus did for you, also so that you might do it for others. That you might be the peace in the room, walking alongside someone else in their fear. And share this story with someone who you know needs it. Amen. Amen.